Welcome to the Freight Broker Bootcamp audio experience, and I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Today, we are going to share with you 10 tips that freight brokers need to know about the produce niche. And while I've been a broker for many, many years, uh, had my broker since 2003, did over $200 million as a broker, I specifically never specialized in the produce niche. So I've invited a guest expert on today, someone that I trust, someone that I know, someone who's done extremely well in that niche. Um, his name is Eloy Lozano, and he's been a guest on this Freight Burger Bootcamp Live before. He's been, a, he's been an agent, okay? He's actually an agent, not his own broker, since 2010. He's done well over $10 million as a freight agent, Last year in 2021, he did over $1.8 million as an agent. So I'd like to welcome my friend and comrade, <laughs> Eloy Lozano. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah. you. So Eloy is from McAllen, Texas. So he, he's down right down near the border, right? So give us a quick, a quick little quick insight into your business, kind of how you got started. Take a minute and then we'll jump into the training. Um, well, basically I got started, uh, most of my family were truck drivers. Um, they would all haul produce out of the McAllen area. So, um, that was the number one reason I got started doing this and being in the produce industry because we're right across the border from Mexico. So most of the product that we move out of here is Mexican produce. So it was one of the things that was already, you know, here in my in my area to be able to work on. So you basically knew some people that were working in and around that industry, but you didn't have any experience with it. I didn't and have then, no experience, but I did know people that were already working in the industry. So you leveraged your network and then yes, you learned the trade and then you built a business. Yes, sir. Just like Love that. It. Love it. Mm -hmm. So what type of produce do you ship a lot? I mean, tell, I mean, there's all kinds of different produce. What do you I do? I do a lot of, I do a lot of broccoli, um, avocados, limes, lemons, uh, berries, you know, all berries, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, um, onions, carrots, a lot of carrots. Um, that's pretty much so, it. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> peppers, yeah. Bell peppers, cilantro. How many carriers do you think you use that would represent 80% of your loads? Like how many different carriers? Is it a dozen? Is it 50? Is it a hundred? I mean, about how many different carriers? Yeah, roughly. I mean, if you had to take a guess. Okay. Well, each carrier that I use has about, you know, anywhere from three to six trucks and I load all their trucks. So I probably use about six different companies, but you know, they all have different, you know, they all have three trucks, four trucks. Yeah, but you have six. six so six different carriers are moving mm -hmm. over 80% of your loads. Yes, sir. Not only in order for you to build a highly successful freight broker, freight agency business, not only do you not need hundreds of customers, shippers, you really only need a small handful, right? Yes. Of good customers. Not only that, but you don't need thousands of carriers either if you treat them right. If you build your business the right way, you just yeah. heard how Eli told you, you know, he's got a handful of carriers that control 80% of his freight. So he's not posting his loads to load board. He's not what you call a post and hope broker, right? Which is what you see a lot of, right? Um, I'm sure that he, there's times when he might have to post a load. Yeah, and yeah I do. Once in but, a while. But ultimately he's built 
a real strong carrier base and a strong relationship. And he's probably provided enough value to those carriers that they're just giving him his truck, their trucks, you know, whenever he needs them. So that's the type of relationships you want to build. So we're going to share with you, Eli's going to share with you 10 tips that freight brokers need to know about the produce niche. Well, the number one tip I have right now that's very important is the temperature of the product you're hauling. That's like one of the biggest, you know, most important things that that you can do with produce because it is uh, it does have shelf life. And if you run it at the wrong temperature, I mean, the receiver is going to reject it. So let's say you got asparagus, which is one of the, you know, I call it live dynamite because if you run it, it's supposed to be run at 35. If you run it at 38, 39 degrees and it gets to the receiver hot, they're going to reject it and it's very expensive. So, so what you have to understand, what the most glaringly obvious difference between produce and van freight or flatbed freight is the temperature control. So every, and here's the thing, right? Tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong, but every different produce has a different parameter for temperature. But for example, um, give us another one that you do quite often and runs at a different temperature. Um, I do a lot of, sometimes they'll, they'll mix the produce. So, you know, sometimes you got produce that runs at 45, but you got cilantro that you can run at 38 to 40 degrees. So then, you know, you gotta, you gotta run that at 40 degrees continuous because you gotta, you, you gotta work for both, you know, both temperatures on the truck. Yeah. Sometimes you have mixed loads. You got mixed loads. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that will, can cause issues, right? Yeah. So yeah. So temperature is very, very important. Number two, um, you got to know the weight uh, per box and per pallet of the product you are loading. Yeah. Like every product, weight is always going to be a component, right? It doesn't matter if you're shipping steel or you're shipping bottled beverages or whatever, weight is always going to be a concern and an issue and a variable that you have to manage. In produce, tell us a little bit about how the weights are. Produce gets pretty tricky. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, you you got limes that are like at 40 pounds a box. And you got, sometimes you got, let's say avocados are 25 pounds a box. Tomatoes are 25 pounds a box. Um, you just got different weight and you always got to add that one extra pound just in case. Um, I do it for the carton of the box and for the pallet, right? Because all that stuff weighs and you can't, you, sometimes you got trucks that can only load 40,000 pounds worth of, of product. Sometimes you got trucks that can do 38,000 pounds and you get, you get lucky sometimes with trucks that can do 45,000 pounds, you know? So like with limes, a full load of limes, you're looking at 44,200 pounds. So not everybody can load a full load of limes. Yeah, no, that's a really, really good point. Okay. Number three. I got the, make sure you got your box and case count right when you, when your driver is loading. So your driver has to make sure that whatever he is signing for, he needs to make sure that's what he has in his trailer. Because once you get to the receiver and you're short on, on product, they're going to want to claim you those 20 boxes that are missing. You know, maybe he signed for 20 pallets, they only loaded 19 pallets. So they're going to want to bill you for that. I mean, you signed for 20 pallets. What happened to that one pallet, you know? 
So they right. always got to be on their, on their tippy toes, making sure that whatever they're loading is what, but whatever they're signing for is what's going on in their trailer. Yeah. I think that's a really important point, not just for the produce industry, because I think that's equally as important for almost any product, right? That you're shipping, yes, because if the driver doesn't take, do a, a count, right. And they don't compare the count to what the bill says, to what the bill lading says, and they show up at the other end and it doesn't match, there's going to be a claim. You know, as a broker, the hard part for you is you're not there when they're loading it or unloading it. So, yes, but you have to communicate effectively with your drivers to make sure that the case count and the piece count and the, all of that stuff is accurate. And if you find out there's any discrepancy, it's better to know when they're 20 miles away than it is when they're 1500 miles away. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So you asking that extra question and validating it and making sure that those numbers are correct. This is where, this is where the difference between good brokers and average brokers and shitty brokers. Okay. Yes, These are the little things that make that's all what counts. the difference. All right, cool. Yes, number four. Number four, I got, make sure your driver pops the product upon, upon loading for the product temperature. That's so explain that. Explain that if you would, because most people don't understand pulping. Explain to them what the, what pulping means. What's the procedure that the driver has to take in order to to get that Pulp, reading? Pulping means it's uh you, it, it it varies. It can be a, a laser pulp, or you can have it's like a like a thermometer that you just poke the product in, and it'll read the temperature that the product's actually at when you're loading it. Yeah. So you want to know the temperature of the product, because if they're telling you it has to be at 38 degrees and it's at 48 degrees, that needs to either be noted up front so that they know that they're loading a, a product that's warm. Uh, yes, sir. Or not load the product. Yep. Don't right. Load I mean, it. or yeah, wait till the next day. They're going to force cool it, you know, pretty All right, much. Cool. Number five. Number five is always make sure that your reefer is set at a continuous mode not cycle. So explain the difference between continuous and cycle. So as a driver has a reefer unit, right? Mm -hmm. They have basically have the equivalent of a big air conditioning unit, right? A big refrigerated unit attached to their trailer. And there are settings on that. And I'm talking to people that are just very new to this, right? Making the assumption yes, that they don't understand what a reefer is. Talk to us about the difference between cycle and continuous and what the difference makes. Well, the difference between cycle and continuous is that it, it pretty much, I see it like as your refrigerator in your home. If you have your refrigerator set at 39 degrees, it's going to always be, you know, throwing out 39 degrees. So when, when, when it's continuously doing that, it keeps the product at the temperature you loaded it at. So if you get, if you're loading, some let's say berries and you leave it at cycle berries are supposed to be ran at 34 degrees 33 to 34 um it all it all depends on the customer but if you put it at at cycle so when you do that you're going to be having it at 34 cycle but it's going to go up to 38 39 degrees and then when it when it turns back on it'll go all the way down to 34 but then it'll go down from 34 down to, you know, 32, 31, because it has to offset that, that difference. Yep. So when that happens, you can freeze the product. Yeah, totally. And th th I mean, you got to understand, these are the differences between successfully moving 
the freight from point A to point B with no issues and no problems and yes, the shipper accepting it versus having all kinds of issues. And the people that you hear that talk about produce and the number of claims and the difficulty and the challenges, it's because they don't understand these steps. All right, cool. So let's talk about number six. I got number six is make sure your driver is signing for the correct product and temperature that the bills state at. Yeah, you got to make sure. I mean, if, if your customer sends you, you know, a pickup, a pickup number and that pickup number says you're picking up 380 boxes of five by five tomatoes, aroma tomatoes, you know, extra large. And you go and sign in, you know, your driver signs in and they load them the same amount of boxes, but you know, they're not five by five tomatoes. They're great tomatoes. Right. But your guy still signs for them and he takes off. And once he gets to, you know, to the receiving end, they're going to tell you, Hey, this is not what I ordered, you know? So now you're stuck with a full load of the wrong product. What are you going to do with a whole load of tomatoes? Right? Yeah. You not got a problem. Yeah, your customer is going to be mad at you and he's going to tell you, hey, now I got to find somewhere to put them at. You know, nobody wants to take them. You know, now you have your your driver sitting there for two or three days waiting for your customer to find somewhere to store the product. Which so that, is that's, a, a, that's a big one. That's a bad deal all around. You got to make sure the drive, make sure that the drivers are getting the right product because not all tomatoes are the same the tomatoes, pain. right? Yeah, yeah. There's a difference in these in produce, just like and I, I use tomatoes as an example because there's so many different types of tomatoes out there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, for sure. All right. No, I love that one. That's perfect. All right. So number seven. Since I do LTL, um, when mixing produce, make sure all product can run at the same temperature levels as you explained earlier, um, because you cannot mix some some of this like papayas they'll throw out uh they'll throw out that gas that makes it warmer so you you can't load broccoli with papayas you know because you're gonna ruin first of all broccoli has to be ran at 34 degrees papayas run at 48 you know so if you mix something like that that ethylene gas is gonna you know make the crowns yellow brown and you know you're running it at, and, and then you're running papayas at something that's not supposed to be ran at, at a cold temperature. So you're going to ruin both products, you know? So whenever yeah. you're doing LTL, you need to make sure that whatever product you're mixing is running at the same temperature as the product next to it. Yeah. So if you're running a full truckload of, of papayas, it's going to all run at the same temperature, right? And you're not going to, you're going to have a specific temperature for that. But if you're running an LTL load, like he explained to you, you have to make sure that those different products can run together. He explained to you the nuances there. Not all product can run on the same ship or on, on yeah. the same truck when it comes the, to, yep. yeah, when it comes to produce. Okay. It's not like mixing two by fours and two by sixes. Those don't matter. <laughs> or, or right? rod irons or, you know, yeah, iron rods. that stuff doesn't matter, right? When you're combining that stuff, but when you're combining produce, different types of produce, it makes a big difference because they, uh, they emit different gases. They have to run at different temperatures. So I think that's important. Great. All right. Number eight. Rates in produce are very competitive. You know, you don't want to be known as the cheapest guy out there. Yeah. And what happens when you try to be the cheapest? Explain to people when you try to be the cheapest. What, what typically happens when you try to be the Walmart of produce guys? 
what happens is that you got a lot of owner operators and those owner operators are looking for the best rates out there, you know, especially right now with the diesel being so high. When you bid for a load, you know, you need to make sure you know what you're bidding, you know, because if you bid too low, it's going to come around and bite you in the ass because let's say you bid $4,500 on a load and everybody else out there is paying $5,000, $4,800. So now you got to turn around and tell your customer, hey, uh, I can't find a truck. You know, I underbid. I can't find a truck. And you never want to do that to a customer because he already set the pricing per box when he's selling it. So now he has to turn around and try to resell basically the product he had already sold. That or you're going to have to bite the bullet and pay the extra two, three hundred dollars to, to cover the load. Yeah. So the biggest issue is you just won't cover the load. That's the biggest issue. Right. And then the second to that, even if you do cover it at a higher rate, now you're making the shipper go out of his way. You're creating an inconvenience and an issue for him just to try to move the product. So you're you're wasting his time and energy that he could be focused yes. on moving forward. Right. So it, it has a tendency to erode that customer relationship as opposed to enhancing that relationship. Not right? only that, you lose credibility with them. You know, they're never going to come back to you yeah. if they really need to. Yeah, for sure. Plus, one of the other things that I notice is whenever you you find a, a a truck that's really cheap, right? There's usually a reason, right? Why it's cheap? Yes. Yeah. Why is it so cheap? Is it because you know the equipment is garbage and it hasn't been serviced properly? Is it because they're having some sort of safety issues or there's some sort of issue with getting them getting loaded by other brokers? I mean, what's really going on? If you find Finding, trying to hire the cheapest truck rarely ever ends up good. Yes. Now you can't always pay the most expensive, but you can be a little bit more than you in know, between. You can be in between. That's the hard part. I tell everybody about rating, right? Rating. It's very easy to be the most expensive. It's very easy to be the cheapest. The challenge is finding that sweet spot. So that's, that's a great tip. All right. Number nine. Number nine is a big one too. Make sure your appointments are scheduled accordingly especially with big retail stores like Walmart, or actually it's not Walmart, it's Sam's distribution centers. Yep. Um, Publix, Kroger's. I mean, all these guys, if you don't schedule your appointment accordingly or on time, you're going to be sitting out there for an extra day or two waiting to get unloaded. Yeah. Notice what he just said. What he just said was an extra day or two, not an extra hour or two. Yeah. A day or two. Okay. If you do not button up the appointments, if you do not touch all the bases on that, if you don't dot your I's and cross your T's when it comes to the appointments, especially at those large retailers, you're going to be in, in, in deep, right? Yeah, because number one, that truck is not going to do that for free. No, not and only you're that. either going to have to pay it out of your pocket or you're going to have to get the shipper to cover the cost, which again, now you're going back to that shipper and it's your fault and you know, they're going to have to come out of pocket. And a lot of times that's just not going to happen. So it's going to come out of your pocket. Yep. Okay. So they might help you out, but they won't use you after that. Yeah. Then you're done. Yeah. Cause they got to get the product there. Right. Otherwise yeah. they face a bigger issue. So they may help you there, but chances are, you know, not give you freight for a while or probably never give you freight again. So, it, yeah. especially, especially Sam's. Sam's is one of the, the worst ones that you got to schedule, you know, maybe four to five days in advance. And if you miss that appointment, now you got to reschedule. That takes a whole day just to reschedule. 
And then once you reschedule, they already have other appointments set. So they got to fit you in somewhere. So yeah, they're it, working just, you in. Yes, exactly. They're going to work you in and it's a it, it's a big mess. Yep. Totally agree. Another good one, of course. Shelf Number life. 10. Make sure your driver has his load locks secured. You don't want those pallets tipping over. Especially okay, so mangoes. His <laughs> load locks are secure. So explain that a little bit. In a reefer, a reefers are a little bit different than a van sometimes, right? So, you know, reefers are all metal. They have metal floors, metal sides, right? It's not yes, wood, like, it's not wood like a van. It's so, not wood. Yeah. So you're not nailing pallets to the floor. You're not doing that sort of stuff. So there's load locks. So explain what that uh what that means for someone who's brand new. Load locks, um, they go across from uh from one wall to the other wall and they, they uh secure the load in its place i mean sometimes you have to use three or four of them i got i got some uh, carriers that use straps you know they custom they've custom made their reefer to where they can just use straps to hold on to the pallets right um i mentioned mangles before because mangles come at 210 cases to one pallet you can imagine that's like a seven and a half to eight foot pallet oh my gosh yeah so that thing that thing moves you know you press the brakes or you make a, t a sharp turn and it, it can tip over you don't want to get to to your receiver with mangles all over the floor that's a big nightmare. <laughs> yeah that's the definition of a nightmare or, right? or yeah that's a big nightmare <laughs> all right no that's a good one so you got to make sure that the product is secured and make sure you're using load locks or straps to make sure that the the pallets are secure especially if you're talking about Stuff like like the mangoes you mentioned that could be six or seven or eight feet high. So no, those are great tips. You're talking right. you're talking about eighty thousand dollars worth of mangoes. You don't you know you want yeah, to treat them like a baby. You don't want to have them on the floor. Exactly. Talk a little bit about the industry as a whole. I mean, the produce industry is a huge industry. It's right? huge. Yes, it's sir. It's a huge industry. What are the biggest states for produce? That I know you specialize in Texas and Florida. But what are some of the biggest states besides Texas and Florida for produce? I, I would say Cali like the whole the whole border. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say California, um, Washington State. They have a lot of produce coming out of there. Um, I know New Jersey, New York. They have apples out there. Yep. Um, Arizona, like I said, Arizona, um, New Mexico is okay. Uh, Texas, of course, they have a, you know a bunch of Mexican produce coming through here. That's pretty much it that I know of. Georgia has a lot of peaches, you mm -hmm. know, berries as well coming out of Georgia. Yeah. So there's a lot of opportunity. In the there's a lot of opportunity in the produce industry, right? Yes, sir. But it's only an opportunity if you understand the important steps to it. Right. And again, you're not going to know, you're not going to be an expert day one, but it's something that you need to do your research. You need to do your due diligence. You need to make sure you follow your steps. And you need, need to make sure that you pay attention to these 10 tips in particular. And there, I'm sure there's a bunch of others that if we had more time, he would share. But um, listen, I want to thank you so much, my friend. This was amazing. Thank you. Um, thank you for having me again. Yeah. Yeah. This is the second time Eloy's been on here. Uh, first time he kind of told his story of how he got started and Freightburger Bootcamp and how he became an agent. And, um, and we've developed a, a great friendship over the years. Congrats on all your success. Truly you. appreciate you being here. If you're curious about becoming a freight broker or a freight agent. And you're trying to put the pieces together on YouTube and Google and all these different places. And they're just not all matching up. And you've got a lot of questions. Check out freightbrokerbootcamp.com. We've trained over 10,000 students. 
been in business over a decade and I offer a 60 day, 100% unconditional money back guarantee. I can't make it any easier than that. Thank you so much. I uh, truly appreciate you guys being here. Have an awesome day and we'll talk next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm humbled that you allowed me to be a part of your day. Now subscribe to the podcast so we can do this more often. And for those of you that take the next 15 to 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future episode.